How do you fill a hole? If you take from the hole to fill a hole, is anything made whole? Ben said that. It made the kind of sense that convinced me to leave him. Ben had an interesting mind before he lost it. Across the street, enormous claw-fisted diggers are excavating, wrenching up earth and stone, shoveling pits and building mountains. It's not quite 10 a.m., and here I sit in a bus shelter, killing time until it is quite 10 a.m. You'd think that I'd have learned to fill each moment so that I'm never left to dig around in my own dirt like this. Each pause in the day is another chance to stare into the cavern. My gaze settles on the arm of a big yellow digger. Like some prehistoric beast, the machine roars and stutters over the hole, as though it knows that one false move could send it tumbling down into the void it created. According to my watch, the time is now ten o'clock on the nose. I step out of the bus shelter, look at the relentless blue sky for a moment, and then head up the walkway toward the high-rise that has been looming behind me. I buzz 1414. A few moments later, music cuts through the crackling intercom, and a woman's voice shouts, Yes? Sorry, what? Lucinda, this is Maggie. I'm here for... A high-pitched squeal from the speaker and the front door unlocks. Inside, gold-specked cream linoleum lines the floor. Taking up most of the tiny lobby is a cast-stone fountain the size of a Volkswagen bug, its grinning cherub dancing with an open-mouthed fish under one arm. Water must have animated the thing at one time, spouting from that fish's lips, but now it lies parched in that stone toddler's arms over a dry basin. The lobby walls are papered with gold and blue textured paisley. Straight ahead sits an elevator. Pressing the call button, I stare back at the big dry fountain and can't help but think of a run-down Vegas casino. Perhaps back before I was born, this building was home to many a swinging singles pad. The elevator arrives, and the doors roll open. A flock of blackbirds erupts in my belly as I move up the shaft. Planting my feet, I exhale slowly and concentrate on the numbers overhead. It's still hard to ride in an elevator. Rising and falling feel too much alike. The elevator shutters to a rest and the car opens on the 14th floor to the same gold and blue paisley wallpaper that line the lobby. I step out and listen to the compartments of life around me. From under a door on my right, canned laughter scratches its way out. To my left, the distant tinny wail of the music I heard on the intercom. My heels sink in the soft floor, and I look down to see more decor from another era. Shag carpet, charcoal with ribbons of royal blue. Turning back to the mirrored elevator doors, I check my reflection, fill my lungs and try to find the muscles in my face that will give me the bright, buoyant look I'll need if I'm going to get this job. Nobody wants to hire misery, least of all old people. I rehearse the words from my online advertisement. My name is Maggie. I have two years' experience cheerfully cleaning homes. I pat my shirt collar flat and head down the hall. Scanning the door numbers, I come closer to the sound of harmonicas and guitars until I'm face-to-face with 1414, listening to Willie Nelson sing All of Me. 
I knock and wait. Ben's father liked to listen to country music. I push that prejudice aside and give the door another hard rap. From inside, just a second, followed by the clearing of a throat, and then a hack, and a louder, more insistent throat clearing. Staring down at the shag pile, the way Fibers knows the toes of my shoes, I work at my facial expression again. I recently heard someone on an afternoon television show claim that smiling elevates the mood and reduces stress, gets neurons firing in the brain. They said that even the neurons in an observer's brain would light up as if he were smiling himself. Faking works just as well. The rent on my dingy little apartment is due. I'm willing to fake it. The door opens and Willie's nasal warbling floods over me. Your goodbye left me with eyes that cry and I know that I'm no good without you. Standing just inside, a small creased woman keeps one hand on the doorknob, the other on her walker. Her hair is short and choppy as though she cut it herself. The scent of white shoulders drifts. Hunched forward slightly, she opens the door wider. Are you Maggie? I extend my hand. Hello, yes. I raise my voice over the music. Are you Lucinda? I go by Lucy. Come on in. She jerks her head over her shoulder, turns her walker around, and heads toward a small dining area near the kitchen. I close the door and follow. She shoves her walker off to the side and plants herself in one of the blue vinyl and chrome dining chairs. She picks up a remote control. I like having my music on. It's better than listening to that racket outside. Points it at the television and lowers the volume about ten points just as a new song begins. There is nothing on the screen but the name of the song and artist. It's only a paper moon, Jim Reeves. Did I say Lucinda when I called, she asks. I guess I do that sometimes. Sounds more proper. But I don't really like it. I always know it's someone I don't want to talk to when they call me Lucinda. Government people. I fold myself into the chair kitty corner to her. The apartment rug is beige and tan, a little beat up, with crumbs and bits of paper here and there. The walls look as though they haven't been painted in a good 15-20 years. Lucy adjusts her glasses and looks down at a printout of my online housekeeping ad, the top sheet of a slim stack sitting in front of her. Picking up a palm-sized magnifying glass, she studies my photo, comparing it to the face now in front of her. Eventually, she begins to reread the text under the picture. I watch her lips move for a couple of moments, and then I look down at the small tables for Micah. I like this dinette set. It's kind of cool, I offer. One of my old ladies on the west side used to love to hear that she was cool. She'd want an assessment each time I picked her up for a doctor's appointment. Do you think I look with it in this outfit, she'd say? She loved little kids, so sometimes I'd bring Frankie with me and she'd hold up two blouses and ask him, "'Which one's the coolest, Mr. Man?' Frankie would giggle and cover his mouth with both hands. Just about everything made that kid laugh. "'The young ones love this table,' Lucy tells me and taps a thick fingernail on the surface. Her voice pulls me back into the room. "'Focus. You're going to get this job. God knows I need it. I need the money. But I also need the push and shove of work in my life.' Can't depend on Ben. He can't help himself now, never mind me. I've had the damn thing 40 years. Pretty good shape, except for that little burn mark. Lloyd used to smoke. But I don't have to put up with that anymore. 
She winks at me as though it's an inside joke. We're separated. How about you? You got a husband? Yes. I mean, yes, we're separated too. The words clunk off my teeth. I wonder if I look as phony as I feel. He's not dead, is he? My gut seizes. No, Ben is not dead. He wants to be, but for now, he is not. Mine is two years now, but I don't believe in dead. I believe in till we meet again. How many people do you work for? Uh, I have, I used to have about six households, uh, clients, and then there was, I had some, I had this rehearsed, but now the euphemisms are gone. We had in a family, we had a family emerge, that's not the word, a family tragedy, and I couldn't take care of work and, and the family, my husband, he and I have since separated, and I've decided that it's time I got back into the workforce. I can send you several references. I open my purse and take out a list of names, set it down in front of her. These are all people I worked for. They had to replace me. I mean, they couldn't do without a... Although one of them, Mary, might... Oh, Christ, shut up. Nobody wants to hear what happened. Nobody knows what the hell to do with it. Lucy moves her magnifying glass over the list of references and then goes back to my advertisement and reads aloud. I have two years experience cheerfully cleaning homes for an array of clients. I am happy to take care of your errands or take you to appointments. I'm a reliable person and I particularly enjoy taking care of the needs of seniors. She looks up. You enjoy taking care of seniors? Yes, I like to feel helpful, uh, useful, and I like to hear about people's pasts. She snorts. Do you have kids? Before I can retrieve the correct response, she shoves her little stack of papers to the side and reveals a children's picture book. Turning it around, she slides it over. I thought if you had kids, I was going to show you my book, Penny Whistle Pig. In front of me now is a bright pink pig dancing on the, the large, glossy hardcover. Standing on his hind legs, he grins and plays a penny whistle to a family of skunks. It won a silver medal in the Strawberry Shortcake Awards. See, here's my author photo. Lucy takes the book out of my hands and opens to the back flap. That's the guy who did the illustrations. She pokes at the picture below and then flips back to page one. Came out about ten years ago. Still sells, though. Want to read a little? She sets the book back in front of me, open to that rosy pig sitting on his veranda, drinking a glass of orange juice. Penny whistle, penny whistle, penny whistle pig, I read, and then I feel a soft hint of breath in my ear. Milky, warm breath. The sense of, the sense of it sends a shudder down my back. Oh, Jesus, not now. The text blurs. I keep my face pointed at the page. Out loud, Lucy insists. Focused on that grinning pig, I try again. Penny whistle, penny whistle, penny whistle pig. And then stop. The weight of him, the feel of his movement. Jesus Christ, it's happening. I can feel his little bum in my lap, his warm back against my chest. Ghostly and real at once, the way I feel him in the twilight, between sleep and waking. The whole of me curved around my Frankie before I open my eyes and find the truth of my life. Christ, 
make this go away. My lap is empty, and yet he is here, the sway of him. Part of me believes if I move quickly enough, I'll catch my child waiting on the other side of some invisible membrane. Just breathe. Cheerful, smile, smiling, elevates the mood, neurons firing. I will my cheeks up, push them right to my eyes, my mouth spread in some ghastly imitation of cheer, of someone you'd want to have around. I start again. Penny whistle, penny whistle, penny whistle pig. Saw the folks across the road begin to dance a jig. See, it's all in rhyme, Lucy says. Hardly anyone has the rhythm it takes to write in rhyme, but I've got it. The publisher says I'm the best they ever saw. Carry on. The shudder has moved into my limbs. The page shakes as it turns. Penny whistle whispered. My throat closes, and I pause as I feel the fat rolling tear slip off my jaw and land in a splat. Lucy recoils. She bends forward, dabs a finger on the page. What's that? She takes the book from my hands and peers up at the ceiling. My head stays down, frozen. I'm sorry, I whisper. I'm so sorry. Lucy looks from her book to my face. You're crying? Oh, for God's sake. She sounds agitated. Reaches down into the basket at her walker's base. Snatching a handful of tissue, she pushes one into my hand and wipes the page of the book with another. I wipe my eyes and nose. I'm sorry. I'll pay for it. I unzip my purse. I'll just pay for this and then I'll go. No, no. It's fine. Don't be silly. I guess you got... You must be going through a hard time. Your husband's dead, but that's not the end. The way I... He's not dead. He's here. He's... It's all tumbling out of my mouth and it's got to stop. I get up from the table. I'm sorry. I have to go. I'm sorry. Seconds later, I'm rushing down the hall, tears streaming. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry.